Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. All right, so what's going on? I left on, uh, what, Wednesday, and uh, I had some choice words for pollen, and so now I have to apologize to pollen. Uh, It was not your fault. I apologize. I blamed pollen for my symptoms and it turned out it wasn't it wasn't the allergies it was it was like a flu-like head coldish kind of thing luckily it did not get into the lungs it did not migrate south it was all just in my head but it was real not like in my head like fake but it was in my head and you can still hear uh, some remnants of it uh, right now so i apologize for not being completely uh, over it but um you know i figured what could go wrong? Just being intoxicated on Dayquil here. Uh, you know, open up a microphone on the blowtorch and see what happens. Um, no, so I know I'm feeling a lot better. Thank you very much to everybody who uh, sent along their well wishes. Uh, I'm I'm fine. I it was just like a, a I got a little achy. You know, I didn't ever run a fever or anything. It was weird. Um, and no, I did not COVID test. So. Uh, but it passed. It was like 48, 72 hours, and uh, I was feeling much better yesterday and uh, better today. Um, of course, that does have probably something to do with uh, the copious amounts of DayQuil that I'm chugging. But any, also, I uh, want to thank Chad Adams uh, for uh, substitute hosting on the fly, luckily. Um, you know, we had the big fight over the certificate of needs and the Medicaid expansion laws in North Carolina, uh, of which he is well versed and uh, expert in. And uh, and so I got to listen to a bunch of that, a bunch of his show uh, the other day. So I thank him as well. Uh, and again, thanks for everybody for uh, for sending the emails and the well wishes. Uh, maybe uh, you could have sent some of those uh, to some banks, I guess, out in California. Yeah, not even was didn't have that one on the radar. Did not have a uh, Silicon Valley Bank bailout. And yes, it's a bailout. I know that the president made some comments uh, very briefly, which I have. I will play them uh, in their entirety so you can listen to the president who is, you know, remain calm. All is well. Uh, his address today. Uh, please don't don't panic. The people are, of course, panicking, which, of course, then induces more panic uh and then uh, you know people are like oh i got to take all my money out of the banks and then that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy look everything i know uh, unlike all of the experts in banking that are on twitter which i had no idea they were there were so many experts on social media about banking i didn't know that just like the ukraine experts and russia experts that just all of a sudden materialized on social media when the invasion occurred last year uh so too uh do we find many of the same people actually are also experts in the banking industry now everything i learned about uh bank runs and um uh, and banking and panics and all of that uh, i learned from george bailey and jane and michael banks that's that is where I draw, well, that and the creature from Jekyll Island. But uh, really, the, the, the core of my education came from It's a Wonderful Life and Mary Poppins, right? And if I understand it correctly, 
the Federal Reserve raises the interest rates and keeps signaling it will keep doing so, right? And it does that, why? Right, to tamp down inflation, right? That was the idea, is to, is to kind of soak up some of the dollars out there. You raise the interest rates and you slow everything down a little bit. So they're raising the interest rates in order to tamp down the inflation, but that then creates this sort of instability in the banking industry. And then the increased interest rates creating this instability in some banks that now need to be rescued by the Federal Reserve, because if they fail, then we'll have instability in the banking sector or something. This is this is like a perversion of that. They call it the Mandrake mechanism, which is uh, I think it, it, it it's like some some villainous uh, magician or something from like the fifties. I don't even know, but it was in the Creature from Jekyll Island, and it's this it, it, basically what this comes down to is fractional reserve banking right that's the you got to have a certain amount of money in your bank vault and then you can write loans you can you you can lend out money you know on whatever's left and so what that percentage is it's something like 10 percent. seriously like if you have if you have a 100 dollar deposit then you can lend out a thousand dollars that's that's sort of the key to all of this is you if I go to your bank and I put my one hundred dollars in your bank, you can then take my one hundred and loan a thousand. <laughs> that seems weird, but yeah, okay. So you can loan out all of the money and then you get the payments back. And then the idea is that nobody asks for all of their money back. I'm not going to show up and say, hey, I want to withdraw all of my $100, and I'm definitely not going to withdraw all of my $100 at the same time every other customer at your bank withdraws all of their $100 deposits. And so as long as everybody keeps their $100 or you know $80 in the accounts, they're putting in, they're taking out, as long as they don't close the account, as long as they don't take it all out and everybody do it all at once, then you can keep loaning out these multiples, you know, $90 on every hundred. You can keep loaning out their money to other people. Again, this is what we learned from It's a Wonderful Life. This was all very made very clear. Don't look now, but yeah. there's something funny going on over there at the bank, George. Uh-oh. I've never really seen one, but that's got all the earmarks of being a run. And when you don't have to actually go to the bank in order to create the panic... Rather, you could just go on a Slack channel or a social media site and you can start talking about the run on the bank where all of these startup venture capitalists are, are, are banking. Well, you, you create a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like that's how this stuff happens. That's how it apparently happened with SVB, which, of course, it's got... Of course, it has the the acronym, just like FTX. It's all the all the hip businesses. They're all going by the acronym. So Silicon Valley Bank. There was a a fella. Now he actually is on. Uh, he, he is an expert, and he is uh, on social media on Twitter. He's an MIT professor of economics. This guy's name is Ivan Werning, and he says the bailout is annoying, but we have to wait contagion risks we got to measure we have to weigh the contagion risks right this is the domino effect if we let this one fail then another's going to fail and others are going to fail 
I was hearing a lot of fear in the markets, pulling deposits from other banks, etc. Um, which mistake is more costly? Overall, he says, I'm slightly in favor of this bitter pill. Reasonable people may disagree. When the Fed communicates that the bailout of SVB will not cost taxpayers because they will take it on, I feel that is a bit misleading. Any loss on the Fed is eventually a lost Fed profit transferred to the Treasury. I think we should not play games with these concepts. Right, and that is what what backstopping means. Right, When the Treasury backstops something, that means that if the losses don't get covered then the taxpayers will cover the losses. Hence, the bailout. Now, it's not a bailout in the literal sense as the 2008 bailouts were for the banks, but it's close. (laughs) But it's close. There's a couple of interesting tidbits on the history of how this thing went down over the last few days. We'll get into it, as well as some more uh, pearls of wisdom from uh, Jane and Michael Banks, as well as George Bailey, about runs on banks and such. Thank you, Jeff, uh, welcoming me back. Glad you're feeling somewhat better. Uh, MAGA American Pitbull says on the Twitter machine, in a Pete tweet, he says, I think I got my head cold from listening to you last week. I am wearing a mask today just to be safe. Um, that's smart. That's, yeah, that's what you should do. Just to be, Or put it over the speaker uh, or earbuds uh, if you're listening. You know, just can't be too careful. Um let me see here. I'm getting some uh, something down the line too, like a TV report or something coming down the in the headset there. Very odd. Well, now it just disappeared. Okay, now now it's gone. Um, that's very weird. Uh, here's a here's a message from GJM who says, uh, as on the banking uh, situation, as long as not all of the Ponzi scheme investors pull their money out at once, hey, it's all good. <laughs> oh wait, yeah. It does kind of seem like that, right? That is, uh, that's the fractional reserve banking or FRB, right? That's the, that this is the concept. It's underneath all of, uh, the industry. This idea that I could put some money into your bank and then you can loan out a multiple, like a 10 times multiple of that. And nobody ever thinks about it. No one, no one cares. And then banks engage in too risky behaviors like SVB was doing while lobbying for less regulation on them so they could engage in more risky behavior and then they they implode right the 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 bad decisions catch up to them um john says uh, all i know about the banking thing all i know is the same president that is telling us that the border is secure and there's no crisis is also telling us that there is no banking crisis so that's that's uh well here let's actually let's take a listen to joe biden because he makes everything better with his speeches which was weird because he like yeah i I left that in there because did you see the beginning of it this is why i like c-span because they just give you the raw feed and that's him opening the door walking in and the door doesn't close automatically so he like gets a couple feet in and then he turns and he's like oh i gotta i almost forgot to close the door as he closes the door, it's just this really weird effect that he just, and then he kind of, and then he, he he does that, you know that little trot sprinty thing that he does when he's trying to show that he's filled with vim and vigor and glee? Anyway, he did that, but it was only like two steps because the podium was like four steps away from the door. It's just weird. 
Before I uh, leave for California, I want to briefly speak about what's happening in Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. Today, thanks to the quick action of my administration over the past few days, Americans can have confidence that the banking system is safe. Your deposits will be there when you need them. Small businesses across the country, the deposit accounts at these banks can breathe easier knowing they'll be able to pay their workers and pay their bills. And their hardworking employees can breathe easier as well. What? Yeah. Last week, when we learned of the problems of the banks and the impact they could have on jobs of small businesses and banking system overall, I instructed my team to act quickly to protect these interests. They've done that. They've done that. On Friday, the government regulator in charge, the FDIC, took control of Silicon Valley Bank's assets. And over the weekend, it took control of Signature Bank's assets. Treasury Secretary Yellen and a team of banking regulators have taken action, immediate action. And here are the highlights. First, all customers who had deposits in these banks can rest assured, I want to rest assured they'll be protected and they'll have access to their money as of today. That includes small businesses across the country that bank there and need to make payroll, pay their bills, and stay open for business. No losses will be, and I'm, this is an important point, no losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Mm -hmm. Let me repeat that. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Instead, the money will come from the fees that banks pay into the deposit insurance fund. Okay, right. Well, okay. The fees that banks pay into the fund. So where are the banks getting the money to pay into the fund? They're getting that from customers, are they not? And if for some reason banks can't afford to pay into the fund, then who makes up the short? Right. That's this is right. It's backstopping. Well, you know, what? we understand what you're what you're saying. I mean, you keep saying it like you're not going to put it on the taxpayers because he doesn't want it to be seen as like the 2008 bailout. And it is structured a little bit differently, but we are backstopping it because he just said it, contagion, right? They don't want it to spread. They don't want everybody pulling all of their funds out of every single bank on planet Earth. And if you do that, there's not enough money because everyone, because fractional reserve banking. Because of the actions of that because of the actions that our regulators have already taken, every American should feel confident that their deposits will be there if and when they need them. Second, the management of these banks will be fired. If the bank is taken over by FDIC, the people running the bank should not work there anymore. Third, investors in the banks will not be protected. They knowingly took a risk, and when the risk didn't pay off, investors lose their money. That's how capitalism works. And fourth, there are important questions of how these banks got into the circumstance in the first place. We must get the full accounting of what happened and why those responsible can be held accountable. In my administration, no one, in my no one is above the law. And finally, well, we must reduce the risk of this happening again. During the Obama-Biden administration, we put in place tough requirements on banks like Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, including the Dodd-Frank law to make sure that the crisis we saw in 2008 would not happen again. Unfortunately, the last administration rolled back some of these requirements. I'm going to ask Congress and the banking regulators to strengthen the rules for banks to make it less likely this kind of bank failure would happen again. All right, if you want it to be less likely to happen again, make them, uh, make them have to carry more reserves.
don't let them loan out all of that nine to one ratio. Maybe like that. Just spitball in here. Maybe actually have some of the money in the vault. Maybe keep some of the money in the vault, some more of it, rather than like ten dollars out of every hundred. Uh, again, not an expert in banking. Everything I learned about banking, I learned from It's a Wonderful Life. This is a pickle, George. This is a pickle. All right, now what happened? How did it start? Well, how does a thing like this ever start? All I know is the bank called our loan. When? About an hour ago, I handled all, all our cash. All of it? Every cent of it and still was less than we owe them. Holy mackerel. There you go. All right, are you prepared for a disaster? Do you need some advice? Are you looking for a military surplus that's real? Well, for more than three decades, the answer has been Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. It is an old-school, traditional store. It's got a mix of modern and vintage items. See my friend Tim? He'll hook you up. He gets new stuff in all the time, American-made, because it's real military surplus. Camo, shirts, hats, customized dog tags, gear... Old Grouches on Main Street, downtown Clyde, across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. The shop is open Monday through Saturday and all the time at oldgrouch.com. A couple of uh, messages here. This is from Stan, who says, Pete, it sounds to me like the purpose of the FDIC is to cover the anticipated amount of fraud due to the banks being uh, being able to risk most of our money by loaning it to others without our input regarding the risk. Since the more the risk, the greater the profits, and it's not their money uh, are true, then we shouldn't be surprised by this. Imagine being that greedy and the regulatory agencies not keeping the fraud to an acceptable level. Uh, well, and so this gets to, there's a fellow by the name of Tom Elliott, and... Um, Tom is the founder of a, a company called Grabian. Uh, they and he, what he does, he pulls audio clips, and uh, it, it's sort of like a, a video and audio clip service. Um, and, and anyway, I follow him on Twitter, and I've I've followed him for years and years, and I've uh, I've used Grabian over the course of uh, my career. When they started up, I was a big supporter of him early on. But um, Tom had a uh, an interesting thread today because I did not know this about him, but he is apparently um, he used to work with uh, or work for Peter Schiff. So I'll just read to you the thread. He says a quick primer on banks as another example of how Washington breaks everything it touches. Most people presume that when you put your money in a bank, that the bank keeps it available for whenever you want to make a withdrawal. Unfortunately, by the way, I just want to go on record, as I always do, whenever I'm forced to say this word a lot of times in a row. I hate the word withdrawal. I hate it. I hate pronouncing it. It just it it all just runs together at the end. Like that at the end. I hate it. I hate the word. Okay. That being said, I'm going to move on. Unfortunately, regulators encourage fractional reserve banking, where banks keep only a small percentage of their depositors' money. And today's rate, as I said earlier, it's like 10%. And then they lend the rest out. In a this is why, by the way, they get to count. Essentially, uh, they get to count it as a uh, as an asset uh, and a write down. Like they like the money that they are taking in. It, it they can write it on both sides of the ledger, right? Because <laughs> on the one hand, hey, look at us, we have all these assets. But on the other hand, we're loaning out all of these liabilities. <laughs> okay. Well, which is it? Well, it's both. Oh, okay. In addition to effectively growing the money supply a thousand percent whenever somebody makes a deposit the fractional reserve banking system creates risks of bank runs 
especially when banks make bad bets, like Silicon Valley Bank did. Because of this inherent risk, Congress created the FDIC. Right, So you allow banks to loan out more money than they have, and then you have to create this insurance against the risk that you created, that you allowed them to... Like, honestly, if you went to a bank and they were like, yeah, you know what, we loan out $99 out of every 100 that we uh, take in, would you want to bank with that banking institution? Probably not. That's a riskier proposition. They, You put your money in there, and if there's a run on that bank, then you're probably not going to get your money back. So you would look for banks that protect more of your deposit. Maybe you are only comfortable <clears throat> with a bank that has a 90%. Right? Like maybe you want 90% of your money in the in that account uh, never being used for anything else. Then you should be able to find a bank like that. But this incentive structure created by the fractional reserve banking system, it creates the very risk of bank runs. So they created the FDIC. This supposed deposit insurance creates what's called moral hazard. Because no one these days actually researches a bank's capitalization prior to starting an account. And banks have little incentive to remain well capitalized. In other words, have enough money on hand. Even worse, the FDIC's reserves are less than 1% of total bank deposits. In other words, the FDIC merely creates the illusion of stability which is worse than nothing. Back in the day, people would actually take care of where they were putting their money. Hoping to revive this classical way of fully capitalized banking, my former boss, Peter Schiff, created a bank that actually operated as a bank, keeping depositors' money readily available. He based it in Puerto Rico, and it was proving successful. Unfortunately, as Peter is perhaps the Fed's and the IRS's foremost critic, his bank came under scrutiny. Despite having never done anything wrong, regulators forced him to shut it down. With Peter's bank, bank runs were impossible because the banks actually keep their money accounts deposit. Yet once again, we have regulators incentivizing what fails while destroying what works. Right? As a result, if Americans decided to start withdrawing their money en masse, which is not an unreasonable thing to do in present circumstances, right? It would collapse the banking system. The FDIC is a mirage, and the Fed can only paper over losses, uh, can only paper over losses with fake money. Right? So they're saying, oh, we're going to pay it out of this FDIC. But the FDIC was only meant for, you know, to protect accounts that are up to a quarter of a million dollars. So if you have a checking account or a business account or savings, whatever, and it's, you know, $260,000 in there that you've got, uh, you know, squirreled away, well, they would only backstop you $250,000. That's what the insurance is supposed to be about. You're, and the banks are supposed to be paying into this fund, but they only pay in 1%. And what the uh, what Biden just announced is that the FDIC is going to, they're going to cover everybody. And, like, Roku is, like, you know, the, the TV streaming service, Roku, they had, like, half a billion dollars in their accounts at SVB. So, I guess they're going to get paid out of that, out of the FDIC, well above the 250 k So, the, the moral hazard 
that you create is that, oh, well, don't worry, because the FDIC, they'll make whole if we engage in reckless behavior with your money. We'll take your money, we'll spend it on bad loans, we'll invest in bad products, and when it all comes crashing down, the FDIC will bail us out, and they won't be restrained by the $250,000 limit. They're just going to go all the way to the, the sky, right? Sky's the limit. We'll just, we'll just backstop it all. So what then occurs? More of the same behavior because there's no penalty for it. You've got to allow the market to correct the people that made the bad decisions. That means pain. And I know what that sounds like. I know, oh, Pete, you're going to cause this mass run about. Other banks aren't, uh, they're not exposed. The only way other banks get exposed to this kind of uh, uh, behavior, the, the run behavior, would be if people start panicking and like, well, I'm going to pull my money out of every bank that I've got money in. Why are you banking? Uh, is your bank making risky uh, investments like this? He go, Tom Elliott goes on to say, um, if bank runs continue and the Fed keeps bailing out insolvent institutions, you might get your money back, but it'll be worth a small percentage of what it was worth when you deposited it. Right, just ten percent. If the Fed had to bail out the whole banking system, for example, this is the other part of it. Um, when everybody goes and tries to get their money back, uh, just like we learned in "It's a Wonderful Life," right? Uh, you, you, I'm going to get all my money back. Well, now is the money worth more, or is it worth less? You're going to get pennies on the dollar. As always, Washington is the culprit, and this is but another reason we're only in the early innings of this inflation crisis. Again. This is at the heart of what went wrong with SVB, was inflation. Why? couple reasons. At least according uh, to the New York Times. Peter, oh, sorry, uh, Kevin Roos, writing at uh, the New York Times, says there were three lessons here from their failure. I hate the word withdrawal. I hate it. Withdrawal. Because however I pronounce it, it doesn't sound right in my own brain. Because I feel like I have to pronounce the W and that last A, withdrawal. But then it doesn't sound correct. Ugh, I hate it. Kevin Roos writing at the New York Times. Three lessons from Silicon Valley Bank's failure. Um, it counted many of the tech industry's best-known startups and investment firms as its clients. What brought SVB down was not lending to risky startups or gambling on sketchy crypto coins or some other ill-considered tech scheme it was an old-fashioned bank run and it yeah set off bank uh, set off back in 2021 by a series of old-fashioned bad decisions so what happened the stock market was booming 2021 interest rates sat near zero money was flooded into the tech center uh, sector well what was happening 2021 why was there all this money getting into the tech sector it's, well it's a mystery many startups parked their cash at silicon valley bank and the bank in turn took that money and invested it uh, including in a bunch of long dated bonds those investments looked relatively safe at the time but became riskier last year as interest rates rose and the bonds lost some of their value this year, as tech investments slowed and startups pulled cash out of the bank to pay their expenses, SVB 
needed to sell some of its bonds at a loss and seek fresh capital to meet its obligations. The bank may have been able to survive all of this, but when it explained to its customers, badly, what had happened, some of those customers got worried that the bank was in trouble. Venture capital investors got spooked and told their portfolio startups to withdraw any money that they had sitting at SVB. And they did this on Slack channels and social media, uh, Twitter threads and such. They were all, yeah, it went viral inside their little bubble. Other customers saw what was happening, and so then they panicked. And you get a bank run. Maybe that's the only moral of the Silicon Valley Bank story. If you're a bank and many of your clients are tech startups whose funding ability is sensitive to rising interest rates don't invest their deposits in long-dated bonds that will lose value if interest rates rise so what did they do i mean think about it, right in, in you take a step back and and he paints this this picture about the climate about the environment in which these decisions got made right and and, and what were the what was the environment Lots of free money sloshing around. Where'd that come from? Came from the Federal Reserve, came from government, came from all of the building back better, inflation reducing acts and all of that stuff, right? All of the big spending, all of the, the bailouts and the, the COVID relief money, the ARP funds and you know infrastructure spending, all of this stuff that got, uh, that, that got pushed out of the helicopter, the helicopter cash, right? All of that money, it's all in the system. Interest rates are nothing. And so people are parking the cash, and they buy into the bonds. And then what happens? Well, yeah, now we got runaway inflation. Too many dollars ch chasing too few goods and services. Everybody's cash rich. Everyone has all this money. And so now things start getting more expensive because everyone's got cash. You've devalued the dollar. Okay, then what? Well, we gotta we gotta start ratcheting up the uh, interest rates. Let's ratchet up the interest rates so this way we can soak up some of those dollars, right? Get some of those dollars out of circulation, get them back from people. So you start raising the interest rates, and that then sends the signal: Oh my gosh, these guys made some bad uh, moves. They're losing money. Get your money out of there before the bank goes belly up, and then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. Well, I mean, I think, yeah, George Bailey, yeah, he did describe it best, I think. You're, you're, you're thinking of this place all wrong, as if I had the money back in a safe. I, the, the money's not here. Well, your money's in Joe's house, that's right next to yours, and in the Kennedy house, and Mrs. Maitland's house, and, and a hundred others. Uh, you're lending them the money to build, and then they're going to pay it back to you as best they can. Now, what are you going to do, foreclose on them? I got $242 in here, and $242 isn't going to break anybody. Okay, Tom. All right. Here you are. You sign this. You get your money in 60 days. For 60 days? Well, now that's what you agreed to when you bought your shares. Tom, huh? Tom, did you get your money? No. Well, I did. Old man Potter will pay 50 cents on the dollar for every share you've got. No. <laughs> yes, cash. Well, what do you say? No, Tom, you have to stick to your original agreement. Now, yeah. give us 60 days on this. Okay, thing. Randall. Are you going to Potter's? Better to get half than nothing. I I Tom, Tom. I Wait. Randall, now, Randall, wait. Now, wait. Now, listen. Now, listen to me. I, I beg of you not to do this thing. 
If Potter gets a hold of this building on a loan, there'll never be another decent house built in this town. He's already got charge of the bank, he's got the bus line, he's got the department stores, and now he's after us. Why? Well, it's very simple, because we're cutting in on his business, that's why. Mm -hmm. Because he wants to keep you living in his slums and paying the kind of rent he decides. Mm -hmm. Joe, you had one of those Potter houses, didn't you? Well, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten what he charged you for that broken down shack? Here, Ed, you know, you remember last year when things weren't going so well and you couldn't make your payments? Well, you didn't lose your house, did you? You think Potter would have let you keep it? Can't you understand what's happening here? Don't you see what's happening? Potter isn't selling, Potter's buying. And why? Because we're panicky and he's not, that's why. He's picking up some bargain. Now, we, we can get through this thing, all right. We, we've got to stick together, though. We've got to have faith in each other. There you go. George Bailey explains it all. So no, I haven't withdrawn all my money. Thank <laughs> you.